0: Welcome back to the Iowa Journalist podcast series brought to you by the University of Iowa School of Journalism and Mass Communications. I'm your host, Jack Martin. On this episode, I talk to Kaisa Dalrymple, an associate professor here at SJMC. Besides being associate professor at SJMC, can you tell us a little bit about your other roles at the University of Iowa?
1: sure definitely i joined the university of iowa almost 10 years ago so in 2011 and uh started off in the school of journalism and mass communication but also was a part of a cluster hire where the university hired a number of faculty around the areas of water sustainability so i joined the faculty with a really amazing cohort of peers that study um, water issues not only in Iowa but around the world uh, ranging from water quality to people with flood risks um, vulnerable populations uh, so quantity issues like flooding and droughts but also quality issues which is something that we talk about quite frequently here in the in Iowa and so, So yeah, so I started off working with that team and have since, that was how I first started working with the Public Policy Center and um, and the director there, uh, Dr. Pete Damiano and really started my foray into learning about policy, how policy connects to environmental issues, how um, we can work with legislators to get important issues to the floor and to the public. And in the last two years, I've been working to develop this new media policy and public opinion program at the Public Policy Center that conducts research on both media policy, so that's my area, is is media research and, and focusing on how media influence people's attitudes and behaviors, but also the implications of media coverage and public opinion of Policy issues, so we're kind of looking at that cyclical process where um, we're examining what legislation is coming out of Iowa government, but also how public opinion is informing how legislators vote, how um, and 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 kind of looking at that perhaps mismatch. Um, you know, we saw a lot of politicians come out earlier last month saying that they didn't want to support a nomination for the Supreme Court and then we quickly saw those politicians kind of flip and and kind of take the other stance. And so this this program is looking specifically at what happens in that process, you know, how how in how much do politicians use public opinion and the voices of their constituents to inform their choices as they make policy decisions. Um, So we study media law and policy, um, including the study of legislation, regulation, implementation of local media policies, but also global and national media policies. And then we also study that flip side of kind of media coverage and communication about policy and social issues and how that might impact public opinion on potential policy outcomes. So I've been working really closely with the Public Policy Center on that. And then most recently, I just started a new lab called the the Iowa Policy and Opinion Lab. And um, and so that is a lab with a very similar mission to the bigger program, although it is a separate entity. Um, But the hope of that lab is really student focused. So we're trying. I'm working with Dr. Fred Bumke in political science, and we're working to create a lab setting where students are peer mentors and kind of can Uh, mentor each other throughout their college career. So anybody who's interested in studying policy or media or public opinion can join our lab. And if you haven't had any experience, you are partnered with more senior students in the lab to work on better understanding how to collect information, how to collect data, analyze data, but then also you're a part of writing policy briefs or we're preparing a a statewide survey right now. And so uh, that whole group of students will be working to develop that survey with us. So it's a really cool lab and uh, a great opportunity for students to really kind of take the lead on their own research and kind of working with each other in that in that collaborative, interdisciplinary way.
0: Cool. So what, I guess, I think you kind of touched on it a little bit, but what will the findings of the program be used for?
1: That's a really great question. So the findings in the program are, you know, we, we work at a research institution. Both Dr. Bumke and I have our personal research questions that we're interested in dealing with the development of policy and how well that it matches public opinion or is informed by public opinion um, and, and the constituent that legislators represent. Um, but this is also an open lab, right? So right now we are collect we're combing through bills that were put forward in the last legislative session to see what topics were out there, what, what was covered, what were people really pushing forward as the hot issues that they wanted to discuss in the last legislative session. Um, that's public information, so um, we're we're really working with information that's already out there um, that uh, that can then help us better understand that relationship between politicians and their and their constituents. Um, we are hoping, from my perspective, I'm really interested in learning more about both the outward facing communication that legislators participate in, but also um, some of the inward communication as well. So we're looking not only at the policy briefs, so what people are writing, how they're representing Uh, important issues through policy. But we're also looking at legislators' Twitter feeds. We're looking at how they're trying to engage with their publics. We're looking at campaign materials. And so my hope with these analyses is that it really sheds light on the relationship in 2020 of between politicians and their voters. Um, There's this, you know, we, we have these strong beliefs in a democracy. And so we want to see and examine how that process is working in a digital age, in an age where anybody can tweet, our president is readily tweeting every minute of every day. Um, How's that changing the political process? How's that changing how voices are heard?
0: Yeah, because I was going to ask, like, did this kind of start of the idea come from the way that, you know, politics are now portrayed in the media and the way that you know how accessible politicians are now like through Twitter through podcasts through all these different mediums like you know even you know it was just like growing up in it and going through high school and being as I think I was a senior during the 2016 election and just seeing how even all that changed from when I was in eighth grade for the 2012 election and just and to now it's just even in the last four years it's been a pretty insane trajectory that the way that you know, politicians like interact with everybody. Like, I never thought that I'd be seeing politicians on like four hour long podcasts and like having this access to them that before you'd only see them through like 15 minute, you know, pre-read questions on the news. Whereas now there's this unlimited access.
1: Absolutely, yeah, but yeah, definitely. That's part of the, the impetus for, or the, the reasoning behind this project. This project is also, this project actually connects to that question that you just raised and to that phenomenon that you just raised, right? Of, of politicians really having more platforms than ever to engage with their constituents and, and perhaps improve the democratic process and yet, we see people are still really upset and feel like their values aren't represented in policy. And so, um, I mentioned working in the area of water sustainability. One of the one of the driving questions that kind of led to the development of this lab with Dr. Bumkey came from a, a conference that I was participating in where. audience members kept asking about why Iowans don't value the environment and why Iowans don't value water, and and this audience was making comparisons to citizens of Sweden or Denmark or the Netherlands saying, well, these are countries that have similar industries to us. um, But they've figured out water sustainability. So how, why can't we figure it out in Iowa. Um, And they were making really broad claims about Iowans and what Iowans value and and that really inspired me to wanna ask Iowans what they value, right? And talk to them about it. And so another element of this lab, um, currently we're really looking at kind of the policy and, and political angle, but the public opinion angle is going to be really fascinating as well. We'd like to not only do some quantitative methods like surveys and and, and media analysis and content analysis of bills. But we also wanna get out onto the ground and talk to Iowans. We want to conduct interviews, one-on-one interviews. We might do some focus groups just to hear what Iowans think about the issues that are being raised at the state level um, in politics and whether they think their values are actually reflected. Because I think that there are fewer voices than we care to believe that are really driving the narrative about what Iowans want and what Iowans value. And so now's the time for us to sit back and and really talk to people and say, all right, what do you actually value? How do you want how do you want those your voice to inform policy moving forward?
0: Okay. And so do you kind of think that the way that You know, we were talking about, you know, the phenomenon of how politicians can talk to us and we can connect to them. Like there's all these voices out there in social media, like where there's almost too much. Do you think that that kind of lends to people kind of getting glossed over, like the people who really have these true values as opposed to some people who might just have a bigger platform and not, you know, be as ingrained in that, in those beliefs?
1: sure you know there's a lot of research um and you might remember this from class jack but we all rely on opinion leaders right in our lives we all rely on people that we believe have a stronger knowledge of specific content than we do and we look to those people to help guide us through those hard conversations right or those hard topics so um you know, one of the environmental issues that we're constantly talking about as a, as a world right now is global climate change. And, um, and so that as an issue for an individual who perhaps hasn't engaged much in that conversation is extremely overwhelming, right? To try and wrap your mind around um, global climate change and the idea of, sorry to sound severe, but our planet dying That's a really, really difficult idea to wrap your mind around. And so we look to news anchors, we look to politicians, we look to peers who we feel know more about that issue to make that content more digestible for us. Um, And so that's absolutely an element of what we'll be exploring here. And I do think that that becomes that more passive engagement with information becomes a lot easier when we have algorithmic feeds that are telling us what to watch, right? And what to read. Um, So I I think you're absolutely right, Jack.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's so easy to miss stuff now because there's so much information being transmitted all the time that it is super hard to wrap your head around and not, because now it's not even just like you have to wrap your head around you know, like a pandemic or global warming, like it's all, it's everything all at once coming at you on your feet when you're going. It's, it seems like every few minutes or something new popping up that's so hard to just wrap your head around each individual pieces of the big picture, but the picture just keeps getting even bigger to the point where it's like impossible to keep up, it feels like.
1: Absolutely. Well, and that's where it's really interesting to be developing the iPole Lab at the same time as to be building up the, Media and media policy and public opinion program at the Public Policy Center, because the we call it the MPPO, not necessarily the best acronym, but um, but that program is really dedicated to exploring questions that you're raising, Jack. So, and one of the one of the issues that you're discussing is with an extremely diverse and fast-paced information landscape and news landscape we need to, as consumers, we need to have a very high level of media literacy. And we don't. That's not something that we discuss on a day-to-day basis. We, we aren't meeting with our peers and saying, well, which outlets do you trust? For, for what reasons? How do you cross-check information? How many sources do you like a journalist to use? We're not having those conversations as a society. And yet this landscape is demanding it of us because it is getting increasingly difficult to know what is good information and bad information. And so that's where it's been an absolute joy to work with uh, Dr. Melissa Tully On uh, developing this MPPO program at the Public Policy Center, because her area of research is on media literacy and misinformation, and so we have a whole thread of research that's dedicated to in that program that's dedicated to exploring these um, this new media landscape, asking asking consumers what they trust, why they trust it how they, and, and, and how much they think they should engage in policy about media, right? Because as we are also having this boom in options of resources, we're also having a number of issues, I mean, countless issues pop up regarding our privacy Regarding, um, you know, algorithmic rules in terms of hate speech and the types of content that are that are drawn into different feeds and things like that, we're having we're having legal conversations about whose voices are allowed to be a part of the narrative, and that is incredibly important considering our current social. Tenor and the conversations that we're having about voices that have been suppressed over time. So um, I'm like I said, it's really exciting to have this clear kind of policy and public opinion lab developing as we're also having these conversations about privacy, misinformation, um, news outlets that are purposefully misleading people, um, Mark Zuckerberg, and how he fits into this whole current you know media landscape. How these um extremely wealthy tech moguls are either suppressing information or you know elevating voices Um, all of that is a part of these two projects that we're really we're really developing right now it's really exciting
0: so how many students are currently participating in the program
1: sure so in the iPoll lab we have 20 undergraduate students
0: Okay. Um, and yep. how do you recruit of the, the students to kind of get on board and help out?
1: Yeah, well, this is our first semester uh, running the lab. And so um, one of the ways I'd love to recruit is through this podcast. So if you're listening right now, please feel free to reach out to me. Um, but also we tend to send out emails to undergraduate listservs of departments that we know have interest. Um, we reach out to administrators and programs and then Uh, We've also connected with specific classes that we know are exploring similar issues and similar questions that we're interested in exploring in the lab. Um, We have a true commitment to having a diverse group of voices involved in the lab. And so that not only means uh, diversity in the type of student but also in the experiences that students have, right? Um, And so we want there to be a good mix of Incoming freshmen, um, first generation students, seniors who have done research before, um, people who represent different social groups on campus and different activity or uh, different um, extracurricular organizations and voices. The, The goal of this group is to really bring together bright young minds. Um, who represent a number of different value systems and voices in order to really explore these questions about policy and media from every angle that we could think of.
0: Um, I guess to finish it off, how is public opinion and public policy important in the world of journalism?
1: Oh my goodness. Well, that is such a great question Um, for me. And, and for me, I'm gonna give you my personal answer because I've been studying public opinion for well over a decade. Um, for me, public opinion and journalism are both central to a democratic system, right? So we need, politi- we elect politicians to represent us. We elect politicians to elevate our voices, not um, not work for their own interests, right? And there's so much national dialogue occurring about the trustworthiness of politicians. And that's not a new conversation, right? Like we've been hearing that for generations, but because of the media landscape, because we now have detailed histories of people and people recorded on past uh, television interviews or behind the scenes and things like that. We We now have more information about those people who are representing us than ever. And so there's, I think that that information can not only become, that information should be discussed in a meaningful way through high quality journalism, right? Um, I think that we are in a media landscape where we tend to almost be more interested in the juicy tidbits that are just kind of exploited on the internet versus high quality investigative journalism. And so, and and it's the high quality investigative journalism and and even just news reporting that um, keeps the public informed. It keeps it it. it it reinforces the importance of a an engaged public right and so we want to through through these projects I think that it's extremely important to highlight the voices that are elevated um, and high and that includes news news voices it includes journalistic voices um, and 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 really think about our democratic process and how well it's working in terms of that idea of representation and um, and and voice, right? And and who's allowed to participate and engagement and who's allowed to participate in the conversation. If we don't, we've seen it, we've seen it election after election. If people don't turn out to vote, um, they won't have a representative in office that reflects their views and reflects their voices and so understanding a why people might not vote um, what information they use to inform themselves about politics and the issues that are pressing to their communities and and to their families um, and then and then understanding how they feel their voices are reflected in legislature it, by legislators is important it's extremely important for us to to understand how democracy is really working on the ground and and, and whose voices are a part of that or are, are being elevated in those in those high-level conversations.
0: Thanks for listening. If you want to learn more, you can find us at clas.uiowa.edu backslash sjmc. And if you want to hear more of the podcast, you can find us on your favorite podcast streaming service. Thank you.